Father is the one who begins, the one who begets. The principle of fatherhood is acknowledging there is a source of blessing and a source of beginning. Today we want to restore to our hearts and our minds the power and the principle of fatherhood. Genesis 27, chapter 1, verse 4, I want to read this verse to you about a father who realized his power and realized the force that God had put in him that nothing could change, not his own failures, not the failures of his children or the failures of his spouse. It says, when Isaac was old, his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see. He called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am. And he answered, Isaac, I am now an old man. Isaac said, rather, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons and your quiver and your bow and go out into the open country. Hunt some wild game for me and prepare me some of the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessings before I die. Now, the next 37 verses tell an intriguing tale of Esau's mother, Rebekah, and his brother, Jacob, successfully conspiring to steal that blessing, leaving Esau sobbing and begging his father for it. There's a lot of things to preach in there. There's a lot of side trails we could go on, but we're going to avoid those today. Our point today is that Daddy had the God-given power of affirmation, and nothing could change it. I want to drive a stake in the ground today and declare without fear of contradiction, without apology, that fatherhood matters. We don't have to degrade the man to exalt the woman. We don't have to castigate males to compliment females. We all need to understand something very important today. The devil is after the man. I said the devil is after the man. It all started in Genesis chapter 3. What did Satan, what did the serpent do representing the dark forces? They're out to destroy everything that God created. Satan comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's out to destroy everything God created. What did he do in Genesis chapter 3? He cut the man out and went to the woman. He cut the father out. Adam was the father of humanity. He cut him out, and he went to Eve and had a conversation with Eve. He hatched a plan with Eve. She signed off on it, and she didn't, tell, she didn't share it with Adam until she had already signed off on it and already eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then she offered some to Adam. And we're not going to try to unpack that today, but let's make a note of it. Make a note of it that Satan hates masculinity, that he hates men, that he wants to, he hates women too, of course, we know that. But he, his, his strategy is always to cut the man out. From the halls of academia to Hollywood, we're hearing the message that fathers in marriage does not matter. After starring in The Switch, a child, a movie about a child, uh, a woman having a child with a sperm donor, Jennifer Aniston announces, women are realizing it more and more, knowing that they don't have to settle down with a man just to have that child. Peggy Dreckler has written a book called Maverick Moms, 
in it, she said, women possess the innate mom power that by itself alone they are able to raise five sons. Psychologist uh, Louis B. Silverstein and Carl Auerbach wrote a paper back in 1999 that's become a uh, kind of a trend-setting article for a movement that is afoot in our culture today. It's called De- Deconstructing the Essential Father. And it's been a fundamental document for people that we would call in culture, social uh, culture, deconstructionist. They hold that the idea that children need a father and a mother has been made up by heterosexual men to give themselves power. Now, I agree with their point that a single family headed up by mom and other unorthodox situations can certainly create emotionally healthy children that can come out of those situations. It's all through the Bible. There are many, many examples of people who were not raised by their father who were not only healthy but heroes of the faith. So I agree with every point about the article. I've read most of it. It's not all, it's not all bad or wrong. But we must not let the God-given ability to adapt. As so many in these houses, in this house this morning have demonstrated. We have some of the some of the great families in this church are headed up by mom alone. Amen. Yes, we get, ought to give them a hand. Let's give them a good hand. Let's don't give them a golf clap. Let's give them a real applause. But we must not let our ability to adapt cause us to abandon God's plan. That God didn't have a plan. And he, he still wants to restore fatherhood. And by the time I get to the end of the message, I want to show you how God wants to restore fatherhood even where there is no father in the home. We must not let ourselves be. The Bible says it's good to hold on to thing, one thing without letting go of another. We must not let ourselves get off track here and, and abandon what God has ordained. All right? There's a message today that is causing men to feel irrelevant. And we've got to expose that message and do something about it. We've got to go back to believing there's power in fatherhood. What I want you fathers to do today is walk out of here with absolute sense that you have power from God that's been granted to you that is unaffected by the culture, unimpacted by the direction of of where society has gone or even power struggles between you and your spouse. T.D. Jakes is one of my favorite communicators. And back in 2011, I believe it was, he did an interview with Roland Martin. And they're talking about, of course, they're talking about uh, primarily the black community and what it's been well noted, the problem with absent fathers in the black community. And these two African-American leaders are talking about this in this interview. And uh, Jake is talking about the, the, the need and the courage within the black community and within the black church for men to step up. And he tells this little story about uh, on a particular Sunday they uh, decided to give all the fathers boutonnieres on a particular Sunday, just like we're going to give a free gift to you today if you can make it to the end of the sermon. You've got to get to the end of the sermon. But uh, they were given boutonnieres, and so many men in his church didn't have fathers. 
and they were coming and they started pinning boutonnieres on Pastor Jake, Bishop Jake's chest. All these men were come, grown men were crying and pinning boutonnieres because he represented a father to them. He said, what they didn't know is they were sticking the pins in his chest and he was bleeding underneath his clothes and he didn't have, he could not interrupt this emotional moment to tell them they were sticking pins in his chest. But he, 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 he makes the analogy that standing up and being a father is painful. That standing up to those forces that try to tear us down and just the sheer responsibility of life is painful and a re process requires a lot of courage. And he also talks about the need to balance what I just already made the point. They need to balance our celebration of women and the acknowledgement of, of God's plan for women to be strong and powerful with the need for powerful and strong men. How many believe we can have both? Yeah. Amen? So I'm actually want to play. It's like three, two or three minute clip because nobody can. I, I cannot compete with a lot of people but I certainly can't compete with how beautifully T.D. Jakes can communicate. He's a master. So I want to play a little bit of this for you. We talk about the pain that they go through. And this doesn't compare to it, but I'll be honest. What drives me crazy is when I'm watching a commercial. Mm -hmm. And I think, this, I think it's an on-star commercial. Mm -hmm. And you're watching this commercial, uh, and the baby's in the back seat crying. Mm -hmm. And the dad has no idea what to do. So he presses the OnStar button to call mama. <laughs> and mama starts talking and the baby stops crying. And I'm watching the commercial going, I can't stand a pump daddy. <laughs> I can't. Then there's, the other, then there's another commercial where the kids are acting a fool and they got cereal all over the kitchen and daddy goes, where's your mama? And I'm going, that's not where I grew up because daddy would have just jacked all of us. Mama right. didn't need to be there. Right. Isn't a part of this problem as well in terms of how men are presented, how they're represented? Absolutely. Well, fathers are essentially some of the most clueless folks who can't fix anything, can't do any right. They're just deadly do-littles in every commercial movie and television show. Well, see, see, it's a boomerang effect. Years ago, women were oppressed for years, not allowed to vote, treated like property, beaten like children. Those women have risen to power now. Anytime an oppressed group of people rises to power, they have a tendency to oppress those who oppress them. Okay, and what we've got to do is come to a balance and an equity in our society where we're not seeking revenge. The lifting up of the woman does not require the tearing down of the man. It does not require that. It does not require that. In fact, in fact, a strong woman appreciates a strong man. You see, so I got, I got some support on that. Yeah, it's a couple of amens in a row. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track with that. And, and, and conversely, a strong man is not intimidated by a strong right. woman. Right. Okay. One of the problems we're having is that more times than not, we marry people at one stage in our lives that don't fit the next stage of our lives. So at one stage in your life, you needed somebody to be weak and vulnerable and supportive, and you needed to be needed. At another point, you need them to stand up and be counted.
And so one of the reasons, and, and I'm not doing this as a plug at all, but the reason I wrote Before You Do is because so many times people marry for poor reasons. Right. And in the Black process... marry what they want, not what they need. Absolutely, absolutely. And they marry for crazy reasons. You're 18 years old, he's got a car, he's got a bad car, you know? You're 22 years old, he's got a blazing career, some sort of sports career, something like that. All those things change. He's fine. He's built. That changes. If you don't believe that changes, look at anybody's wedding pictures and catch them 20 years later. You know, it changes. It changes. What remains is not the container, but the content. You should marry people for who they are on the inside. Well, I let that last part play. That's a bonus. That's not part of my sermon today, but that part on marriage, good stuff. If you're looking for some good podcast to listen to, listen to D.D. Jakes, some great communicator. Well, let's talk about that, the balance of power that, that needs to, that we have to stand up and acknowledge the, uh, the power and the, the call that God has on men to stand up. We cannot afford to, to cooperate with Satan and go, you men, you go sit down. We don't need you. You had your day you know, back when, when, uh, we, when men ran everything and back when the patriarchal times, you had your time, now, now we're going to do matriarchy for a few years. No, we don't need to do either. We don't need to do, or we need to do both. We need, to, we need, to, we need women to rise up and be strong women of courage and faith and, 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 and creativity and entrepreneurship, and we need men to rise up and be strong men of creativity and entrepreneurship and power and authority. We need men to rise up as well. We've got to, you say, well, it's going to be a big fight. Well, I'd rather have a good fight than what, what, what's happening around the country. It'd be better to have a good fight. Let me, get, let me tell you in the next, um, say, 20, 15, 20 minutes, maybe 22 minutes, 30, I don't know. No, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you get to that, that grill t this afternoon. I want to tell you three things that Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, and Esau knew that could cause us to reevaluate and reassert the importance of masculinity and the power of fatherhood. First of all, Isaac knew the power of fatherhood was greater than his wounds and his weaknesses. Isaac... You know, we, we look at these marriages, we look at the, the Old Testament marriages, and we kind of read the headlines sometimes. And we read uh, of all that they accomplished, and you go over to Hebrews chapter 11, and you read the Hall of Fame, and these guys are all in the Hall of Fame, and it will just mention their exploits. It will mention the great things that they did. But you need to look a little closer at these families. These families were just as dysfunctional and just as messed up and just as tedious and difficult as our families today. Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were no different. Abraham was Isaac's father, for those of you who don't study the Bible, haven't read the Bible. Abraham was Isaac's father. Abraham is the, is the considered the earthly head of three major religions, Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. That's how important he is. He is the father of faith. The, 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 the Jesus promised us that if we put our faith in him, or Paul promised that if we put our faith in Jesus, that we would have on our lives the blessing of Abraham. Abraham was, a, was the father of our faith. But Abraham also really messed up. Abraham had an affair with his uh, handmaiden, 
with this with Sarah's handmaiden, father to child. I mean, it was intentional. It wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, 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 a it wasn't really like an affair. It, it, it was just in a plan, a plan to try to help God by having a child when 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 Sarah wasn't capable of of having a child. Kent wasn't capable of conceiving. He conceived a child with her handmaid, and she was in on the deal. She was a part of it. Now, that's pretty messed up, isn't it? That's pretty messed up. And the Arab-Israeli conflict today is because of that decision. A lot of other things I could tell you. If I had time, I could tell you other stories where Abraham, a couple of times, because he got afraid, he got afraid that because Sarah was, uh, was beautiful, that uh, a couple of different rulers where, he, where they were traveling would, want his, would, would kill him to get his wife, that he allowed his wife to go to the arms of another man by telling them, this is my sister. He told a big, fat, stinking lie of dangerous. Like, can you imagine? That, that's kind of messed up. Now, you, you think your parents are messed up. Did they do anything like that? Well, some of you did. They did, I know. Uh, things like that. Isaac had wounds from his childhood. You, you better believe it. I, I don't know if he, he got over that, which was God ordained, but I don't know how, if he got over his dad actually uh, offer, almost offering him as a sacrifice. Uh, I, I don't know if he got over that. I don't, know if he ever, I don't know if he ever figured what that was all about. I don't know. Also, there was the wounds and weaknesses of his own marriage. With a woman as strong-headed and assertive as Rebecca, uh, so much that if you read the rest of those uh, other 37 verses that I didn't read, you will see that she, she believed that Jacob should get the blessing. So she connived and she manipulated and she caused uh, Jacob to go in and fake Esau out because Esau's eyes had grown dim and, and she put a, a goat's wool on his arms so he would be hairy like his brother and she uh, uh, prepared food that would be, mimic as close as possible wild game, and she did this whole elaborate thing with, with a with a woman that that strong and that determined to to help God out. Uh, don't you think they probably had some interesting conversations once in a while? Don't you think they probably had a volatile marriage? I think they probably did. Also, there was the wounds and weaknesses of Isaac's parenting failures. His own parenting foes. I'm not letting anybody off the hook today when it comes to taking responsibility for your children's character. I'm not. And we, you know we teach and preach that. And we try to come alongside you here at Bethany Community Church and help you to, to have children who don't just come back to God when they're 40, but who live for God through their teenage years, through their young adulthood, and have show great character. And we try to figure out how to do that. But we can't ignore the truth of this story. And that Isaac had one son who was a deceiver and a usurper. And he had another son who was morally weak and had little control over his appetites. Now, you can read the story for yourself if you don't think I'm telling you the truth. He could have easily said, I have failed as a parent. He could have easily said, I have failed, therefore I have nothing to show. I have nothing to give. I have no power from God. I don't have a blessing to give. I don't have anything to pass on because I have failed to produce children who are everything that I want them to be. Now, I'm not letting anybody off the hook today for not doing your job and trying, but I, I, want, you to, I want you to know two things. You need to know the sins of your children. 
You need to know them and be honest about them. But don't be paralyzed by them. Don't be paralyzed by, by them today and say, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to become the father that God wants me to be. I'm not going to step up and assert myself. I'm not going to step up and engage because I have not produced all the results that I started out to produce. Listen, God has put within you the supernatural power of fatherhood and the gifts and callings of God. Listen to this. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. In other words, God doesn't take it back. God has not removed your anointing as father because of your failures. God has not removed your anointing as father because of the failures of your children and the moral and, and social decisions of your children. We need to restore the spirit of fatherhood back to the church. And one, one thing we have to do is we have to lift the shame off of fathers. We have to lift the shame off of fathers today. We have, to, we have to believe that the power of God, and we have to believe and know that, that we, have to, we have to understand something, and that is the plan of God is beyond your lifespan. I said the plan of God is beyond your lifespan. That's what I, Isaac understood. He understood that what, was, what had been in his father Abraham had to be passed on to the next generation, and it wasn't just about their moral failures or moral successes. There was a, there was a power of, 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 of legacy and there was a power of purpose that was going to be passed on. And it was the father's responsibility to pass on the power of legacy and the power of purpose, even when there was misbehavior. Even when there was moral failure, it was still the responsibility of the father to pass on the power of legacy and the power of purpose. And the reason we have Jesus Christ as our savior today is because those men of faith had faith in spite of their wounds, in spite of their weaknesses, in spite of their failures. And they kept passing on the legacy and purpose of God from one generation to the next till one day Mary and Joseph accepted the purpose of God and Jesus Christ was born as the Savior of the world. Some of you here today need to quit letting your failure define you and re-engage and get back in the game. Amen? Then we have the wounds and weaknesses of his own body. Isaac, however, knew the power of God still resided in three things. This is so important. I want you to get this, dads. The power of God resided in his time, his touch, and his tongue. The power of God still worked when he took time to be with his sons. When he touched them, with an affectionate touch and when he spoke words of blessing over them. He spoke words of a bright future over them. If you read Gary Smalley, if you want to know more about the blessing, Gary Smalley has a, a classic work on it and everybody should read it. He understood the power of his time, the power of his touch, and the power of his tongue to give words of affirmation, to paint a bright future for his sons, even though there were, things, there were many, many flaws in their life and their personality. And if you follow the history, God worked all of that out. Developmental psychologist 
Researcher Norma Radden and her colleagues have collected especially some really incredible provocative evidence concerning the significant role of parental involvement for infants and toddlers. And I was especially interested as a grandparent who just had this awesome week with my grandson. We went out to junior Bible quiz, and I wish I had time to talk about that. That was so much fun and so great to watch uh, 325 little kids or something like that, 325, 330 little kids competing in Bible memory competition and just having a blast, and, and it was an incredible time. Our, our kids did really well. Um, what, uh, help me, 65th, 68th, 62nd, 60, 62nd is where they came, but this is, this is the nation, right? This is the United States, you know? And uh, Hayden Monty was 33rd uh, in personal scoring out of those 325 kids. So, amen. There's a dad who's investing in teaching his child the Word of God. Amen? I, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, he, he bought a quiz box, one of those electronic quiz boxes to take home to practice with Hayden. That's why Hayden, because that's, in, that's what you call intentional fathering. Amen? That's intentional. But what, I, what interested me about Norma Radden's study is they studied grandparent and grandchild relationships in predominantly working class households in which adolescent unwed mothers were living with one or both parents. Overall, young children who had positively involved grandfathers displayed more competent behavior than those with relatively uninvolved grandfathers or absent grandfathers. Furthermore, a relatively high grandfather involvement in childcare was related to observations of less fear, less anger, less distress being displayed by one-year-olds, especially boys. So, Braden should thank me. <laughs> it was so much fun. I watched Braden. I watched Braden catch his first largemouth bass. That was so much fun. Watch him watch a. a uh, we were on a forty-acre farm there. Spent the whole day, and he watched a, a little corgi dog attack and kill a rat. That was incredible. That was unbelievable. That's life-changing. <laughs> fun stuff. Time, touch, talk. Time, touch, talk. The formula for being a great dad. Time, touch, talk. Give them time, affectionate touch. Talk, affirmation. Talk, bright future. Talk, bright future. I've met so many people who, who, were, who remember one thing. My dad said I would never amount to anything. So many people. This, I, bet, I bet I have 20 people in this room who stand up right now who their father said something like that to them, and it still plays in their head at 40, 50, 60 years of age. You can change that. That's what, It's so easy to change. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to fix this. You do have to engage. See, let's, let's move to the second thing that they knew. Jacob, Sarah, and Esau all knew the power of fatherhood and the deep need of blessing. Look at chapter 27, verse 34. Now Esau faces the fact that his brother has stolen his blessing. And he heard these words and he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, this, this man's man, this hunter, this man of the field, 
said, Father, bless me, me too, my father, even with all their flaws, even the action that Rebecca took to help her son Jacob steal the blessing indicated that she understood the importance of the father's blessing. She understood how meaningful it is. We need to return to that. We're under a curse and we need blessing. We need the blessing of fatherhood in this house. Amen? We need the blessing of fatherhood in this house. We have abandoned the bless me culture with the bless myself culture. We become a culture that says, I don't need your approval. I don't need your blessing. This culture, this was a culture of Isaac's time where they understood that's the one thing they had right. See, they still had all the problems that we have. They had power struggles in the marriages. They had children who didn't behave. They, they, had, they had children who were liars. They had children who were, were immoral, like, like Esau became immoral. We, they had all of that too. They had all of that stuff, the same stuff going on that we have going on today. So there, I find encouragement and comfort in that. Yes, absolutely. But the one thing they seem to have that we don't seem to have today is the understanding of needing blessing of understanding, of needing to look at those in authority and say, I need you to bless me. I need you, I, I need you to put your anointing on me. I need you to transfer your anointing on me. There's something supernatural about this. And there's something we're missing, a supernatural power because of our independence and because of our belief today that I only need to approve myself, that I only need to bless myself. And I don't need to seek the blessing of anyone. I don't need to seek the blessing of authority. I don't need to seek the blessing of the Father. I don't need to seek the blessing of elders at the church. I don't need to seek the blessing of the church. I only need to bless myself. I want you to know the Bible says you cannot have anything that you have not received. You must seek the blessing. You must ask for the blessing, the blessing from God, the blessing from people. It will, it will transform our culture if we became a culture that once again looks up and, re, and has this thing called honor. And if we restore honor to our lives and we believe in honor again, regardless of even when the behavior is not 100% what it should be, even when things are off a little bit, we need to restore the attitude of honor and respect again. And it will, it will transmit a power because the devil knows that those in authority over you are a covering over you. And he knows that if he can get you out from under them, he can have free reign with your life. And he's having free reign with a lot of lives today. And we could change it all with one simple shift. And the shift would be, I will look for blessing from those that God has placed over me. I will seek blessing. I will seek approval. I'm not talking about some insecurity thing where you don't, you don't know who you are and you've got to have some authority, always validate you and you, you can't have any opinions of your own. I'm not talking about certainly not some weird cult thing where you can't think for yourself and you can't move without some authority saying you can. I'm not talking about something weird or dysfunctional. I'm, so, I'm talking about something that's filled with love and filled with power and more than anything, filled with dynamic connections. And I'll tell you something else. We guys need the pressure. We need the pressure. We need you to put more pressure on us. You've taken all the pressure off of us. You need to, we need it back. We need you to once again put us on the spot. 
when you need to once again force us to speak up and be counted and don't accept our going to the bench and hiding out and hiding in our hiding behind our golf clubs and our sports and everything else you need to demand that we step up and we take authority and we take responsibility for the blessing on the house amen but even if some insists that God has no purpose for biological and earthly fathers beyond being sperm donors and furniture movers. It won't stop the blessing from flowing through men who believe that God still blesses through their time, their touch, and their talk. You know, people say a lot of bad things about these days. They're writing all kinds of garbage about millennials. I love my relationship with millennials in this church. I enjoy it. Down at the office, I enjoy my relationship with millennials. They know that I allow them to reverse mentor me because I'm an alien to the planet now. And they are more at home on the planet than I am. So they are my guides. They are my protection from being so uncool that it will be devastating but they don't want me to be as cool as them, and I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm cool with it. I think that's why we get along, because I don't try to compete with their coolness. I don't try. You can't compete with a hipster. Forget it. But I like them. They're smart. They're really smart. They love Jesus. The ones I, the millennials I know love Jesus. And I love it. I have to, I do pray for them though, because they are caught up in the culture. And, and one of the big things that I pray for the millennials and try to help the millennials to understand, they need to seek the blessing of fathers, spiritual fathers and earthly fathers. And they ca or get caught up in the culture that says, I am my own validation. I am responsible for validating you and everybody else. And I, I say, no, you still need the blessing of some gray-haired guy who's fading away physically. <laughs> no, you need, you, need, you need my blessing. Finally, everyone in the family knew the importance of intentional connection and conversation <laughs> to release the power of fatherhood. Uh, Jacob would later illustrate, if you go to, uh, I believe it's Genesis chapter 48, he would illustrate a different version of the blessing. So don't get hung up on the way Isaac did it. Don't ask your son to go kill an animal for you and, and eat it. Don't do that. That's stupid. That's not. <laughs> Unless you happen to be out in the place where that's supposed to happen. I don't know. <laughs> Jacob would later, if you look at Genesis 48, he brings all the 12 sons around and he has an intentional conversation with every one of them about who they are and what they're going to be if they stay on the path that they're on. Sometimes it was good, sometimes it was bad. The power of fatherhood is released when we engage in intentional conversations, intentional touch and intentional time. These intentional conversations don't have to be as formal as calling each of your children like that in your old age. It doesn't need to be that formal. 
It can happen at any time at any place that you decide to project your blessing into their future. Now, let me tell you something. This is not a time for men to stand up and demand our authority. This is not the time to do that. But it's time for men to find their voice again, their touch again, establish their presence again. It's time for men to enter into their children's world. That's what Isaac sending Esau off to hunt wild game represents. It wasn't because he was hungry for wild game. Because he had servants who could have done that. It represented him entering and engaging with Esau's world. I I used to go to Jason's music concerts when he was 14, 15 years old. uh, Me and... I think I was a roadie for a while. I did not go because I liked the music. I went because I wanted to know what he was up to, for one thing. But more than that, I wanted to engage in his world. I learned to appreciate the music. I learned to appreciate the people who were doing the music with their orange hair and stuff. And I'm, I'm glad he's evolved. I'm really glad Jason's evolved. <laughs> Isaac wasn't into what Esau was into. You know that? Isaac was more like Jacob. Isaac was a mama's boy. He was an indoors guy, more like, more like, more like Jacob. But when he went to bless Esau, he entered his world. He got interested in what Esau was interested in. Being a good father will expand your your palate. (laughs) So we're going to leave a growing number of people out of the fatherhood discussion if we restrict it to biological fathers. That's why God created the local church. God created the local church so the principle and spirit of fatherhood could be available to everybody and so there could be equality in the matter of blessing and affirmation. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4, 15, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I am sending to you Timothy, my son, whom I love who is faithful and in the Lord. We're going to call fathers forward right now. And I want you men, all you fathers, to get up and come and join me at the front. And we're going to release a spirit of fatherhood in this place. We're going to release a spirit that will cause men to recover their voice and their belief that their time, their touch, and their talk have impact and power. Listen to me carefully. Listen to these words that I'm about to say. We're going to receive a spirit of humility that will cause this house to be a place where once again we ask for the blessing that both biological and spiritual fathers have to give. Yeah, you can, uh, yeah, why don't you face me and then we'll turn and face them. No matter how weak Isaac was and no matter how right Rebecca was, it didn't alter 
the irreplaceable power of the Father's blessing. Let's release. Let's release that anointing to you right now. And let's receive that humility to be receivers of the blessing of these fathers who are standing here today. Listen, men, I, I know some pastors try to take your place, but I can't take your place. I can't be the father to your children. I can't be the husband to your spouse. I can't be that. I'm not called to be that. You have to go home and do that. You've got to go figure that out. You've got to go figure that out. What, what are the conversations that I, I, I need to have? What are the touches that I need to give? What are the times that I need to spend? I, I remember... And I, I've never really had the conversation with Jason about it. And I don't remember. I don't know exactly what his perception of it is. But I remember our relationship got really tense one time. It was about the time that, you know, she was doing, he was doing that music. And we were, our relationship got very tense. And it just, I don't know, I got the idea. Take him, let's go whitewater rafting. Sometimes it's not another discipline that you need to give. Sometimes it's not another grounding or another Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's come out of left field and do something they wouldn't expect you to do. Because it's about, it's not about beating your children down. It's about winning their hearts. It's about winning their hearts over. That's what it's really about. And I understand discipline is a part of it. I understand, I understand withholding things, whatever discipline works in your family. I understand that discipline is a part of that but it's also about winning their hearts. That's what it's really, that's what the end result is about. So today I want to pray a prayer. I want to release you. Some of you, I know I'm looking at you and I know you and I know you're, you're, you don't feel worthy anymore because stuff has happened. Stuff has happened and you don't feel worthy anymore. But I want to challenge you to think of Isaac and I want you to get back in the game today. I want you to, I don't care how many weaknesses you're dealing with, I want you to get back in the game. I want you to go back and start having those intentional touches and those intentional talks and those intentional times. Make it your responsibility to be present. You see, here's the deal. When Isaac spoke the blessing, he had no power to enforce that blessing. He had no power to make it happen. He was depending on God. But it wasn't going to happen if he didn't speak it. Now, now, I don't know if you realize what you just heard is, is good stuff. What I just told you is powerful. What I just told you is powerful. It wasn't going to happen if he didn't have, take the time, if he didn't have the talk, and he didn't give the touch. Nothing was going to happen. The Bible says whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you release on earth is released in heaven. You're responsible to release the forces of, of, of light and the forces of, 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 of God and the forces of the Holy Spirit. You're responsible to release them into the life of your children. Not only, and, and, and not only your physical children, biological, your spiritual children. You're responsible to release life into them with your word. Somebody say amen today. We're going to pray and then we're going to let you go uh, grow, uh, grow your hamburgers. Father, 
Let's lift our hands, man. Let's lift our hands. Father, we are looking to you. We need a new blessing from you. Some of us are wounded and we're scarred and we failed. And we're looking at the failures of those around us. And we've been paralyzed by the messages of the culture. But today, we need to forget all of it and shut it out and open our ears to the Father of lights in whom there is no variableness nor shadow of turning, who hasn't changed his mind, who can't be voted out of office, who has given us power and authority to be the men of God in our family, in our church, and in our community. And I pray, Lord, for every spiritual father who's sitting out there who's not up here because they've never fathered physical children. I pray for them as well and include them in this sentiment and prayer. And we proclaim it all that this will be the greatest Father's Day ever. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.